Tommy V from 81 Real Estate, um, physical therapist that does real estate investing. Um, kind of one of the big topics that we're kind of circling in on right now is how you can use real estate to uh, cover your monthly payment and eventually the principal on your student loans. There's a lot of pressure there. So I have this all-star superstar, Dave Williams. He used to be a physical therapist, went to Duke, super smart, racked up hundreds of many thousands of student loans uh, from that private university. Um, and uh, he was practicing and then eventually made the jump to being a, a real estate advisor. So he's not just an agent, but he's also an advisor because he's very knowledgeable about investing. Uh, he works for Keller Williams. And last year, he won Rookie of the Year uh, for being a top performing agent. He's out in Denver. He's got a lovely wife. He's got great kids. Um, so he's kind of a little further uh, ahead of me in kind of the uh, family real estate game. Uh, but I wanted to bring him in, kind of share his story and how some things we might be able to learn from his story to kind of help you get started. So take it away, Dave. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on and super appreciate it. And um, like, you know, we met because we're passionate about finding ways to prevent burnout for healthcare workers and to offset one, making more money or offset debts um, by using a tool of real estate that allows for leverage. So you're not just working harder and you're not just picking up extra shifts, um, but you're investing in things that are going to provide cash flow and appreciation um, in ways that just picking up more shifts can't do. Um, we both have found that real estate has been by far the most powerful and best tool to do so. And so happy to share any information I can. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate that. So just kind of backing up. Uh, so what were kind of some of those internal dialogue conversations with your spouse of when you're saying, okay, I'm working, you know, in a physical therapy clinic 40 hours a week, maybe I can do PRN at a hospital, PRN home health, or I can switch to travel. And how did you decide, you know, I don't, it, did you kind of go down that rabbit, that, that trail at all? Or did you immediately say, wait, time out. I know where this road leads and it's not where I want to go. Yeah, it was a little bit of all of that, actually. So um, my wife is also a physical therapist. We met at Duke at school. Um, out of school, we went directly into travel. I mean, that wasn't for the purpose of like trying to pay off debt quickly or anything like that. Like I, I was so blind going into the amount of debt that I was taking on compared to what I was going to make as a physical therapist. Yeah. Um, but I was like, cool, travel, like I can live any different place of the country that I want to, I can make good money, and then I can take off time in between. So we did that, we bounced out, we traveled around the country for two years as travel PTs. Um, then I was took a, we were getting ready to get married. And I took a look at, okay, what is this all going to look like? And I was like, oh, crap, like, how am I going to take on this debt? So at that time, so I owe, you know, roughly $225,000. Um, so we're like, What's our option? And that was public service loan forgiveness, which I do think is a great option for many, many providers. And like, later I transitioned to doing the real estate advisor agency thing, but I was on the, the time on the path for doing public service loan forgiveness while starting to invest in real estate. Um, so once finished the travel thing, um, we got married, we moved to Colorado, that's where we wanted to live, and took home health jobs, because again, just trying to find the job that pays the most amount of money, yeah. Exactly, and, yep. You know, anybody listening is in place like Colorado, like, you know, pay for healthcare providers and PTs in general is not good. Um, yeah, I'm down here in Tampa, Florida, and it was the same thing. So I just, I just got back from an interview for a home health agency, and that is by far 
higher paying than any of the hospitals, clinics or anything. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So you're definitely right there. Yeah. I, and that like the financial piece was good. I really like the ability to like control our own schedule um, and to like set the, you know, the plan of care. I got to choose how many visits and I got to choose the frequency of the visits. And like I was working in SNFs as a traveler before that, as well as home health. Um, and the autonomy was great as well as like increased pay. Um, so got started. We both did home health. Um, we were probably about five years into that. And, you know, we we bought our first house because we were adults and we're settled now and this is what we're going to do. It wasn't part of an investment play. Um, and then we started renting our basement to um, Duke students when they're out here on their clinical rotation. More of a way of just, you know, oh, we can make a little money and we can help, you know, other, you know, alumni. Um, we're not going you know, contributing to the, uh, the alumni fund at that time. Um, yeah. So this is kind of our way to give back a little bit, um, help people who've been in our shoes. And then we realized like, oh, like we can, this is like a whole method. And so both of us knew we needed to do something. And that kind of was the trigger that got our brain started rolling. Like, what can we do? What's going to be beneficial for us? Yeah. I love, I love the similarities of the the accidental landlord or the the accidental ADU or the stumbling into the wait maybe we should do do more of this maybe we should yeah. rent out our basement rent out an extra room maybe we should do this more <laughs> I love I love that that's how a lot of people like realize and get in the game yeah that's exactly it man and and once we kind of found that out and it was like okay let's start to get it, it paired really well with the timing like this is not sustainable for both of us to be physical therapists from a burnout standpoint. Um, both being physical therapists is not going to get us to the life that we want to live. And it's not about making tons of money, but it's about having freedom of time. It's about not just trying to squeeze every PTO day for a long three day weekend and like, you know, working Sunday so we could get Friday off or, you know, shifting schedules and, you know, stacking patients just to try to squeeze every bit of free time out of, um, you know, the salary and schedule that we had. Um, so we dug deep, like, what can we do? And so looked at things like starting a non-medical home care company, um, looked at things like, um, what does a private practice look like? Um, and so those didn't really make sense for us. Um, and as we continued to dig, I mean, we stumbled upon bigger pockets. Um, so the biggest thing, like we both had the, the end goal of like improving and creating a better life for ourselves. And, um, we did research together, send each other podcasts, send each other books on um, audio books as we were driving around doing our home health thing. And so we became very aligned on the long-term goal. Um, and then as we kind of sifted through information, um, that's when we were able to realize like real estate is the tool that is by far the best to use to help us achieve that goal. Absolutely. I love, I love what you're laying out here. That's kind of what a lot of people have to think before you start jumping into what do I need to do or how do I do it? You got to find your why you got to yeah. set those goals and you got to set your why and how fast or how slow are you trying to achieve them? So I love that you're laying that out right now. Cause a lot of people are like, well, how do I flip a house or, or what's the best investment? I want to do an Airbnb. And it's like, well, time out. What, what are your goals? What is your timeline? What are you trying to trying to get because if you want more time you got to do this you want more net worth you got to do this and it's just it's different for everybody so i like that you kind of said hey we we want time we we want our family to stay home like you've kind of been able to achieve right now but it's just different for everybody yeah 
and, and they pair so well with like a question I get a lot is like, how did you get your spouse on board? And for us, it wasn't like, here's real estate investing. Let's do this. It was like, here's a life goal. And right. th- this is the end of what, what does our perfect day look like? What's our perfect life look like? And then we reverse goal set to now and be like, okay, then what's the steps that we need to take today? Um, and when we're aligned on a bigger picture, other than we would like to have 17 doors, or we'd like to have X number of dollars in passive income, like exactly. it's going to be bigger than that. It's got to be about the life that you're trying to live, the time you want uh, money, of course, is going to come and play when, when getting your time, you kind of got to buy that in some capacity. And so, um, but we had that bigger picture and then that allowed us to work back and then find the tool to get us there. And so um, again, real estate was just absolutely the, for both of us by the, we shared information, right? Like we'd have an idea. I'm like, oh yeah, listen to this podcast. Someone's doing this or, Hey, check out this, this audio book. And like, this is some great mindset tools on this. And so it really helped us to grow to the point of real estate investing together. Uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. You got to have you, your spouse has got to be on board for anybody married that's listening. You can't do real estate solo. You got to have your spouse on board. That's <laughs> I love that you guys were both partnering and exploring what that would look like for you and make it custom and personalized for what you wanted. Because um, real estate is not a one size fits all. It looks different for every investor. And before you start throwing out, oh, I want 10 doors. You got to really do the work on the front end of what's your why and where are you going and how do you want to get there? That's a good, yeah, absolutely. Like that. yeah. So, so you kind of transitioned out, made the jump to being a real estate agent um, and you're crushing it being rookie of the year, especially you probably got in when the market was doing great and then maybe a little more competitive, little, it takes, takes a lot more hard work and grit now um, really distilling out you know, the high quality agents, lenders, um, from kind of the people that just were jumping on the bandwagon, uh, the feel like a lot of the bandwagon real estate agencies or firms or agents or mortgage people have all been kind of, you know, hung out to dry a little bit over the yep. past eight months. Um, so it's a really good testament that you won rookie of the year in last year. I feel like last year would have been the most challenging year to be number one. I mean, that's just my take so like hats off to you man you've crushing it <laughs> i appreciate it man it's like so you made that transition like just like you said like we got got so passionate about the real estate investing piece and the power that it was providing us um that it was like and at the same time matched with burnout of doing therapy and it was like okay i'm passionate about this let me let me see if i can help you know, provide all this information that I've gathered to help other people learn and do the same thing. And the natural pairing to that was, you know, get my license um, and do the agency thing um, and start to, again, just to help other people, not just like, hey, here's a house with a pretty backsplash close to good restaurants, but like, what does this actually mean to you financially? What are the creative ways that you can get into it? And what are the ways to maximize that as as an asset, whether that's just a home or if it's, you know, as an actual investment portfolio, you know, there's some really creative ways in expensive markets to go about doing that, that people just don't know about. Um, so I just wanted to be able to share that with people. So yeah, first year I did agency full-time one year, as well as still at 32 hour a week as a physical therapist. Um, it's a crazy, and we were renovating the house. It was a crazy year. This is pre-kid. Um, but Ooh. we did that in order to have that safety net, like, you know, going from a, a salary job to a commission job to be able to, to know, what we are getting into. Um, so, you know, and, and then at that point it was like, 
all right, what am I going to do? Am I going to try to write out the rest three and a half years of public service loan forgiveness? Or is the opportunity um, in the agency like large enough that if I don't, you know, really commit time-wise to this now, um, is it just going to kind of, you know, philander there? Like, and I think a lot of the part-time agents out there now, once things got tough, have struggled in that. Um, so, you know, it all worked out well for <laughs> the timing all worked out well, with a good <laughs> amount of, you know, work and hustle and um, yeah, kind of now on the other side of, I would say true to my last patient, but I don't want my result to be the result for everybody. I think there's a way right. to still practice healthcare and do it in a way that you're supplementing your life. And maybe you're choosing to work less and maybe you're choosing to, um, you know, just take PRN work and you give yourself options because you're able to make money in other ways. Yeah. And I think, I think you spoke about with Cena, or I could have just been making this up, but you said that real estate investing could just mean that you just work four days a week. Yeah. Real estate could just mean, oh, you take four weeks off the year instead of two. It doesn't have to be this giant, like, oh, I'm retired and I'm on a yacht in the Bahamas. Like, like, like that jump, like it can just be a little step. Like what, what can an extra $500 a month on your balance sheet, an extra thousand dollars a month on your income? Like how can that improve your quality of life? Cause, cause uh, yeah, like you said, you, it doesn't have to be this huge giant shift, like career. Change. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes it's not like, right. You got to respect that. It's something that takes time. Um, I, and, and I, I tell people all the time is like just adding one, you know, depending on your market, like just adding one property to your portfolio and say it only cash flows a couple hundred dollars a month. It's not get rich quick, but in 30 years, that house is 100% paid off. Um, and now you're collecting a full cash flow of tenants that is appreciated over that period of time. And you go to retire and you've you've essentially doubled your retirement account, right? You've you've increased your cash flow and your net worth. Um, and you've just given yourself a far more robust retirement plan um, than if you didn't own a property. Like one property can do that. Yeah, I did a I, I did like a little Roth IRA versus one rental property. Um, I think I was maxing out the Roth IRA for 30 years versus saving for six years and putting $24,000 down on a house, $100,000 house made up. And the comparison was just ridiculous because yeah. it, because real estate, you have all those five profit centers and we won't, we won't go to them on this video because, you know, that that's other stuff. But yeah, you have the five profits and you have so many different ways to maximize the value now and the value later um, that, that when you put it over time, it's, it's like a crock pot. It's just amazing. Yes, <laughs> the longer you let it sit, the better it gets. Absolutely. Um, and so let's see. So yeah, so there's, yeah, all that stuff is amazing. Just adding one can make such a difference. Um, so kind of circling back, uh, as far as flexibility. So if you are a physical therapist, occupational therapist, or nurse doing something like home health offers you enough flexibility to, to kind of transition into real estate or manage a property or be able to, to be able to find deals, that setting might be a little more conducive to kind of a, a treating three patients an hour in a hands-on clinic or even working in acute care. You have a little bit more flexibility, like be on the phone, answer emails, those kind of things. Yep, 100%. Like I wouldn't have been able to do it if I was working in a clinic job. And uh, one of good friends, Jess Connie, who's a lender now, she was a PT, but and she transitioning to lending, she had to she had to quit fully because she was in an outpatient clinic and wasn't able to to do that. So the home health thing um, really paired well with the ability to any form of of side hustle, really, um, 
to give yourself the ability to be flexible um, was huge. Couldn't have done it without being in home health. And uh, so now that you have you have the house with the basement, renting it out, is that the house you're still in or you guys have moved out of that house at this point? Yeah, we've moved out of that house. Um, so once we figured out, okay, make some money on it. It's like, okay, can we save and repeat this? Can we do this again? And so we use, we live in Denver. It's an expensive market, especially on two PT salaries. So us putting, you know, 20 to 25% down on investments was not really a feasible option. Like, don't get me wrong during this period of time too. I don't want to discredit that. Like we picked up the extra shifts. We hustled, like we did what we had to do to get us to that next property um, before, um, just realizing that sometimes you do got to, to get in it, but don't let that be that you're going to do that for 20 years. Like that's it's right. going to not be sustainable for many people just to work full-time for 20 years. So don't think that you can pick up extra shifts for another 20 years, but there can be a season of life where it's like, this is what we're doing. We're hustling in order to get us to this goal. That's going to, you know, propel us to that goal. So exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we did that. And with this one, we were both physical therapists. We bought our next property um, that we renovated into a long-term rental. We, Bought it as a primary so we could put low percent down, lived in it for a year while we fixed it up and then exited that uh, and held on to that as well. Um, so now we're on property number three. Um, and this is the one new build townhouse, uh, like three story tall with a basement called Tallboy LLC. And uh, cool. Yeah. And it's got the uh, an Airbnb in the basement with its own entrance. Um, this build was designed to to do this exact style. Gotcha. Uh, and um, this is the one that we've now lived in for about a year and a half. We'll, we'll actually, instead of holding on to that, we're going to sell that this year um, and take advantage of capital gains tax ex exclusions and pay off my student debt. Like I'm, right now, market is what it is this summer. We should be able to pay it off in whole. Damn, dude. So you're telling me that, that you went from house number one to keeping that as a rental, house number two, keeping that as a rental to house number three, where you're at now. And that that whole time period is only about three years, four years. Uh, that's about, we first house was purchased in 2017, second one in 2020, and then this one in um, 2021. Okay, so, so yeah. it's about five, six years. Yeah, those first couple of years, like the first two years living in the first house, we, were, we weren't we were doing any, we were just living in it. Gotcha. Just, and that's where people start. I mean, you got to live somewhere. So. Yeah. And <laughs> there's nothing wrong with just primary. living in a house. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. There's great benefits of just the homeownership and living in a house. Um, and from so many people I advise here, like the best way to get your first rental portfolio or your property in your portfolio is to leave the house that you're living in now and hold on to it as a rental. Yep. I, I'm sure somebody's already coined the strategy. I just say move out, rent behind. Yeah, I hear them sometimes call it nomad, um, nope, but yeah, it also nomad. confuses folks on that as well. <laughs> I just say move out, rent behind. Of course, there are a couple of strings attached to that. A couple of consideration items. When you move out of a house that you were living in to then turn it into a rental, there's going to be some added expense on your monthly and yearly expenses in the form of your tax rate is going to go up because you're taking off that homestead, depending on your state and how all that works. Yep. But you're taking off the homestead and then your insurance policy goes from being an owner-occupied insurance policy to being an investment policy. So it's really important to make sure that you... Um, you know, calculate those adjusted costs to make the most informed decision because every house that someone lives in isn't going to automatically cash flow as a rental. 
there's a good chance if you got a good interest rate, you know, below. Yeah, depending on when you purchased. Yeah. Right. There's a good chance, but you got to make sure you don't want to move out. And then all of a sudden you're losing $500 a month because that would put the needle the wrong way there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you guys went from house to house to house. And now in the course of five, six years, you've built up enough appreciation to be able to cover the rest of your student loan balance. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it feels like a get out of jail free card, to be honest. Um, you yeah. know, the plan is always to to hold the property once we lived in it. Um, but we've been so, it's been so beneficial the last couple of years. We haven't paid any student loans. We've been in this forbearance period. Right. Um, but it's, you know, the, the, the momentum is growing. Like this is going to come to an end at some point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just had to take a step back and look and being like, what is the the best thing we could do as far as like freeing up our life? And it was like, we got to get rid of this massive ball and chain because if it comes back and I'm paying it at, you know, a rate to actually pay it down, um, that's a massive monthly payment um, that would drastically affect our lifestyle. And so the plan will be to, yep, sell it. And again, we have lived in the house um, for just about two out of five years. And, you know, income tax code says if you live in it two out of five years, um, it doesn't even have to be consecutive, then you can avoid paying capital gains tax um, up to $250,000 as an individual or $500,000 as a married couple. Um, we talked to our CPA because we're going to likely be just under that two years. But we've had a kid, and so now we can qualify as there's an extenuating circumstance that we should move. And yeah. so what they'll do is they'll prorate it. So say we live in it 18 months out of 24, we'll get of the 500,000, we'll get you know 18 months of that worth. Yeah, the, and that, that's something that can trip up a lot of people too, is yes, you can prorate down that capital gains. There are different rules. You know, Neither of us are CPAs or tax advisors. Oh. This is not... <laughs> Bonafide. This is our token disclaimer. This is not bonafide tax advice. Um, but yes, those two out of five years do not have to be consecutive and it can be prorated um, in some instances. And so just the power of that, if you had to pay cap gains on that, short-term cap gains is over 30%. Short-term is 15 to 20, you know, depending on your tax bracket and stuff. But that's just a huge gain right there. Um, being able to yeah. take advantage of that tax-free. And so the, the loans, man. So I definitely identify with that. I made it through, I worked through undergrad and I had no loans. And then the first house that I got, I got it on seller financing. So I had like a seller finance and then I had a mortgage. So I didn't really have a loan there. I've bought all my cars cash. And so my student loans were my first big loan. Yeah. And even now, like I log onto that bank account and it just kills me. Um, and I know like people say like, oh, like if you pay it off over 10 years or 20 years and then the tax it, you're going to save all this money. And I'm just like, I don't know, man, like just just personally. And like you said, when yeah, it comes, yeah, it, your plan can pivot. You could have, all right, this is our plan. And then that plan changes. You kind of got to let it come to you and you can change up your plan to fit your goals. Um, but yeah, that payment is going to come back due. And what when you're going to qualify for an investment loan or you're going to qualify for a loan in your personal name, that debt is going to have an impact on your ability to get that next loan. Um, there are loan products, commercial DSCR, where it's no doc, they don't care about your loans and your W-2 and all that. But for most beginner investors, they need their W-2 and they have to count all of their debt and all of their expenses. Um from your experience, like say you've $100,000 in student loan debt, how will a lender traditionally put that when they're doing your DTI? 
Yeah, they're going to look at not your overall debt, but what your monthly payment is. Um, and I, again, I'm not a CPA. I'm also not a lender. Um, Correct. Yep. Disclaimer. <laughs> but on two PT salaries in Denver, we were able to purchase three properties. So, you know, the debt, it, it can be limiting. It will become limiting at some point. But usually when you're first getting started on your first house or two with some decent income, um, your your student debt won't sink you at, at some point as you you start to pick up more properties and things like that, then your DTI will tighten um, and it will become an issue. But um, but I, I think for most people, it's like what you said, Tommy, and it resonates the most. It's like, personally, I don't feel good with this debt. Like emotionally, mentally, physically, like this debt is consuming. Like it, it feels like this huge ball and chain and you can't go out and like pursue life in the way you want. And so, um, you know, many people would argue like, you know, the interest rate we have on this house is in the three, it's like low threes. And so, oh, you should hang on to anything in the low threes you can because, you know, and it, it would cash flow as a rental sum, but yeah, I want to erase, like, erase it. Like yeah. for us personally, it's like erase that, be free. Um, that allows us the ability to, um, and we're not going to be by any means retire anytime soon, but it allows us to take significant chunks off time off, allows my wife to work less and be with the baby more, allows way more flexibility on the front end rather than like, oh, if we held on to this, sure, we'd build more wealth over time. Um, but it, we're looking at not only the long term, but the whole point is like getting as much life as we possibly can get now because we don't get this back, right? Exactly. You can swing the pendulum. Do you want more freedom and cash flow now or do you want more freedom and net worth and assets later? Exactly. And the thing is, the thing that I always come back to you because I'm kind of on the fence. We have one property, the tenant is coming up in July and we could either sell it or re-rent it. And I'm like, I'm dead on the fence. It seems like every other day I'm going back and forth between what would be the best thing. Um, and I think we're actually going to end up selling it. Um, kind of, kind of what you're saying to where, okay, if we sell it now, how we've already rode the appreciation. We've had the benefit of enjoying this great house and we can always get another one. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean you just go to be a renter. You're going to sell that house and not make that one a rental. Okay. Well, you just go get another rental. Like yeah. you, it doesn't, you, you, you don't have to be like the, the people that say, oh, buy everything and hold forever, never sell. It's like, okay, maybe, but you can sell a, maybe a lower performing, a higher price point, lower cash flow performing asset. You could just go get, a different one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, man. And, and and because you're going to have less loans, less monthly payment, not that you want to be super risky, but you can tolerate a little more risk because your floor is going to be lower. Yep. Yep, exactly. And that's the beauty of real estate, right? Like you, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. Um, and like that's why like conversations and podcasts like this are so important and and having a good team of like trusted advisors around you that not only understand the single transaction, but can try to understand your overall picture so that they can yes. help to guide you along the way, like what exactly. might be the best approach um, to achieve that. And, and just like you said, like our strategy on individual properties has changed several times, um, but we have that same long-term goal. So we're not you know, zigzagging like this. And now we're way off course of getting to our long-term goal. It's just that um, the timing and the market and our life provided us this opportunity. And this is the best opportunity that continues us towards that long-term goal, though different than what we initially set out to do. 
Yeah, man. I love that. That's such a good, I, I feel like your story is such just like, it's just like real talk. It's authentic. Like, like your this story, is it, man. That's your, who I am. Your story is how like life happens and life comes to you and you just have to pivot and just make your best choice as it comes to you. I, I just, I, I don't personally love or subscribe to all these like real estate gurus of like, oh, you need a hundred doors and do this. And like, you call one person, they're going to sell you their house with no interest. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe, but like these kind of stories, like I just connect with a lot more. And so I think, I think people out there that are just feeling burnout, how do I get started? I mean, I feel like these are the kind of the things that are most encouraging. Um, so let me ask you this, Dave, a uh, token question that I try to get on to people is uh, if you could time machine, go back six years ago, what would be your one thing that you would have done differently, or you wish you would have known when you guys were kind of in that first house with the basement what was kind of like something that maybe you would change, or you wish you would have known at that point. At that point was probably um, screening. Like, so, so we did the Duke students, the PT students, they're, they're easy. They, they're all, you know, like I had a small lease with them. Um, and then we started to expand to like, you know, other people. Uh, and I didn't like properly screen the first like actual tenant, not from the PT school. So oh, I no. wish I would have taken a little bit more time to screen that. But like you do that one time and you learn. <laughs> uh, and then and then from there, I think. um Sure, wish I had more properties when properties were less and interest rates were less, but everybody um, does. And it's all part of the journey. I think just the understanding that it's like it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, take take your time with it. Um, and as long as you're just taking it one step forward at a time, like it's gonna work out. Like it's tried and true. Like recession, no recession. We know that real estate has proved to be um by far the just the best driver of, of wealth building in this country. And so Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I would have started sooner. I would have um, tried to move out of that first house a little bit faster. Um, but in the end, like, I think it's all meant to happen the way it's happening. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just think about it, you, so now you're going to have two, two great, two great properties going to pay off your student loans. You've pretty much avoided taxes on all your properties because of depreciation yep. and now your tax-free gains here. I mean, you've, I mean, I think you're crushing it, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. Like, you're, you're killing if I was it. to go back and tell myself that that was the scenario, like even to go back and tell myself that one house was going to pay off my student debt, like I would have said crazy. Um, and I'm not saying like it's always reproducible in the way like we've lived in a house for two years and appreciation and um, both from the force standpoint and time in we're in a, in a very hot market, but yeah. I would, most people don't owe 225 like I do. And so, you know, I have to achieve it at the same massive scale, but, you know, buying a property, living a property, um, fixing up that property to add some value as well as being in a, in a market that's going to, uh, you're confident in appreciation on, um, but this is a very achievable thing with student debt to, to buy a property. And in a couple of years, if nothing else, make a massive chunk, you know, payment off your student debt and didn't get that freedom. It's awesome. I love it. I think my, I think one of my first like community goals of like people, you know, in my sphere of influence, I think we'll try to set a goal of like paying off a million dollars of student loans yeah. um, through real estate. That's awesome. That, you know, if you have a hundred people doing 10,000, but I mean, you doing 250, man, we're going to be a quarter of the way. need to raise the dollar, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of going to be, you know, kind of a big goal trying to, you know, trying to help people get started. I think just getting started is like the most important thing. 
like getting off a zero, getting, getting off a zero and just like start is that's where people need the most. That's the key. Yeah. I could not agree more. And people always like, Oh, risk in this and risk in that. Like there's so much more risk in staying in your nine to five um, employed job where insurance providers are continuing to cut reimbursement, where your employer is continuing to increase your productivity and you're one injury away from not working like that, that to me is more risky than expanding a real estate portfolio. Yeah, definitely. Especially as like being a spouse, being a dad, having kids. Absolutely. I identify with that. Well, cool, Dave. Uh, if people want to find you, I got some of your contact info. So people reach out to me, I can forward them along to you. I uh, know on IG, your homes with Dave. Um, where else can people find you? Yeah, website, uh, homeswithdave.com. Um, email, homeswithdave at kw.com. But probably the easiest and best way is through Instagram. Cool, cool, cool. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. You're crushing it. Uh, don't, don't, don't think that I know that I fall into the trap sometimes of, oh, there's such these mega real estate investors. They got 500 doors and apartment complexes. And I think like, ah, dude, like I haven't done anything yet. Like I'm failing. Um, But I think just taking some time to appreciate like everything you have accomplished is so crucial. Like people, like, even though you're like, oh, I only have three houses. It's like, okay, well, most people have zero. So yeah, man, I I could not agree with that perspective. Take a moment to like, appreciate the progress that you have made and not fall into the trap of, oh, like I'm still such a small guy and I don't know anything, but yeah, I think that's important. I think it is too. And it's so easy to fall into that trap, man. Like, you know, in, in this world of influencers, um, it's so easy to, to have this, let comparison be the thief of your joy. Um, and it does take that moment just to step back and be like, so grateful of, of what you've got and where you've, how you've gotten there and the journey you've been on. I, I could not agree more. Cool, man. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and sign off and thank you so much for your time. And hopefully we could do this again, man. You can tell us once you get that, once you get, hopefully you can hold up one of those big checks. Those you big follow me on Instagram. Checks. I'll be blasting it. Yeah. I do. And just like publishing clearinghouse like check. Uncle Sam and just can't wait Dude, to see yeah. that, man. I can't wait. Cross it off. Awesome. Right, Thanks man. so much for having me, Tommy. I appreciate yeah, it. Take care. See ya. All right.